Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Well, we got some, uh, you know, interesting facts. How many like some mental floss? Mental, some of you don't even know what that is. Okay. Helping the mental floss, you know. Uh, does anybody know when this whole thing started, Valentine's Day? You should. I mean, we just spent last year $27.4 billion on it, buying dumb trinkets, chocolates. I'm telling you. You know whose passion is like, I was looking up, I saw you, Frank Torrey. I know you wanted to come down here and dance, Valentine's Day. I almost called you and your bride down here to do salsa but it'd make us all white people feel uncomfortable because it's so passionate. And I don't even think some of those hip moves are appropriate for church, but God's anointed you to dance, so keep doing it. Just wait till you get home. I can't help it, babe. He's so passionate. I could feel it from here. I knew a week ago it was Valentine's Day because he walked by me. I was like, whoa. Do you know six million people get engaged on Valentine's Day? That's amazing. Six million people. I just hope they all don't come to the beaches of San Diego. Could you imagine you're both trying to get engaged? You're like, dude, go down the beach. I got a video team here. Now it's like high production. It cost a few thousand dollars just to get engaged. But I did that thing 18 years ago. What's haha? So I'm going to give you some facts real quick. I love it. 1861 is when Cadbury Company came out with the heart-shaped boxes. That long ago. They should have patented that thing. But they say Valentine's Day goes back all the way to ancient Rome. You know what they did back then for Valentine's Day? (laughs) This is how it started. A bunch of people back in Rome running around naked sacrificing animals and using the skins for the men to go whip their wives. Box of chocolates or whipping your wife running around naked in the town square. I'm glad it's evolved. I'm just saying, I'm giving you facts. I wanna help you. Because they said they did it to help infertility. I'm thinking like the box of chocolates, thank God. Obviously, we've come a long way. Uh, But uh, can I read to you the oldest printed card from 1797? I mean, some of you, I just like useless facts, just in case. And one day you might be looking at me, judging. I feel judgy. But uh, as you're judging me and you get on Jeopardy and then this thing gets you to the victory round, you'll be like, dude, I love my pastor. I remember this. Yeah, it was 1797, of course, the first printed Valentine's card. (laughs) All right, here it is. Since on this ever happy day, All nature's full of love and play, yet harmless still, if my design, tis but be your valentine. I'll let you know if that works, but I love it. But for some of of you single people, I just want to help you. I I read the stat says, what's the best way to get a date for Valentine's Day? What's the best way to get a date for Valentine's Day? Look at a calendar. 
Some of you didn't get that. Okay. Okay. Well, I read this thing on, interesting fact, on how astronomers propose on Valentine's Day. You know how they do that? They plan it. It got better, didn't it? Some of you are tough. Arms still folded. Shoot. Shoot. Told my wife when I met her, are you on the internet? Because I'm feeling a connection. Did I, was it better than that? I probably did better than that. I'll stop there. Feel more judged. Well, listen, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Today's Super Bowl, so I like to just call it, let's call it Super Love Sunday. I saw your number seven. I just want to let you know. I see you. It was prophesied in the first uh, Go Chiefs. Do we have Eagles fans in California? One? One. John Day, you're an Eagles fan? Everyone stretch out your hands. Lord. I didn't feel a word for you. Oh, well. Um, Title of my message. We're glad you're back. Cheers. Title of my message is called Secrets of the Garden. I was recently preaching in Hawaii. Uh, Wow, God bless Hawaii. I haven't been there in a while. And, uh, but it was amazing. But I woke up. I had dinner late with the pastor. I woke up tangibly in the middle of the night. It was like secrets of the garden, secrets of the garden. So I'm like, man, maybe this pastor said something. I was too tired to remember, so I called him the next morning, and I said, hey, did you, did you say something like secrets in the garden? And uh, he's like, no. I'm like, that had to be of the Lord. So I just kind of went on a deep dive on secrets of the garden. And what was amazing is God was really talking to me a lot of things, just about relational equity, relationships. And I went back and read chapter two of Genesis. And I love Genesis because it is a blueprint for so many other things. When you go back and read Genesis, whether it's in business or life or relationships, the whole Old Testament, if you read anything by Jonathan Kahn, he'll go break it down. You know, he's like a messianic Jew that just had this total revelation on the Old Testament. He's written the paradigm, the oracle, all these amazing books on all the revelations of things that happened in the Old Testament that are actually coming to pass right now today. It's amazing how many prophecies were in the Old Testament that are talked about in the New Testament of being completed. It's mind-blowing if you see what it is. I'm like, okay, this has got to be a blueprint. And as I was going through that, I was just getting my teeth kicked in on how many relational things. I was like, I, I just didn't see that before. And so I wanted to preach on it this morning, some of those revelations. And some of it's going to be the revelation. And some of it, I want to give you the practical, how do we work this out? If, if God created relationships, marriage between a man and a woman, and that was the first time ever he said, hmm, that's very good, then we need to pay attention to it. He said, oh, that's good. Yep, that's good. That's good. Then he did this whole thing. Hmm, that's very good. It's amazing because the devil hates God. He wants to be the exalted one. And if the first time ever God created something, he said, that's very good, and that's marriage, how many of you want to make sure the devil's working overtime to mess up the very thing God said is very good? He will put all resources, all trauma, whatever it takes, send full artillery down to make sure that people aren't walking around with a great blessed marriage because that is the reflection of what happened in the garden. It's a reflection of what God intended our marriages to look like. So if you're single, don't worry. I got points for you too. Point number one, listen. 
But I love it because in Genesis 2.15, we read that God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. This task was not just a job, but a responsibility and a privilege. And just as Adam was called to guard and tend the garden, we too are called to guard and tend the relationships in our lives, especially when it comes to our spouse, our children, and our friends. So if we need to look at it through that lens, we gotta figure that out. And I will say this, that men, that we're gonna carry that burden. I could read all of Genesis 2 for you, but I wanted to tell you just a couple things that I wanted to read through it. Number one is before he talks about Adam and Eve in chapter two, verse two, he talked about the seventh day in the creation. And he talked about how important it was and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because of it, he rested from all the work creating it that had been done. A few books later, he, you know, he sends down the 10 commandments and on there is make sure that we respect the Sabbath. And I can tell you as a how hard this is to preach. My wife could to attest, man, I, there's probably no rest in me, but it's one thing I've had to learn, that I've had to create margin around rest, and in that rest, you become more fruitful. It may not make, make sense to your worldly mind, your carnal mind, your flesh mind, because you just wanna grind it out, work harder. No, God called me to be a protector and a provider, and we grind and grind and grind, but it's actually a 10 commandment to rest, and some of us that are high achievers, some of us that are grinders or, you know, we watch too much, you know, Grant Cardone, let's go, 10X. You know, we need to learn to first exit and that's our day of rest. And so it wasn't in my message, but I felt the Holy Spirit in the first service uh, really lean on that, that I can do more when you rest than if you go burn out your life, burn out your marriage, burn out your kids. There will be a trail of wreckage behind you and I'm doing it for your own good. So chill out, Hubbard. And I can tell you after 18 years of marriage, that is one I still wrestle with, still argue with my wife, who's always right, because then I get convicted by the Holy Spirit and I feel like my number one repentance. You see, I have one pair, of, it's my repentance jeans. I just now just go put them on so she gets a signal. That's where the knees are worn out. I'm just like, babe, I'm sorry. Sorry, I did it again. So now, now I'm trying to save myself because I'm getting older. You know, I don't have pe too many people that are good enough to adjust me. So it's like, I gotta be careful getting down on one night. I might not get up. So I'm just hoping she sees the jeans and she goes, okay, I get it. You don't have to take a knee. I forgive you. I forgive you. I'm trying to give you hacks, guys. This is hashtag hacks for your marriage. But let me go on and keep reading. In verse five, he said, no shrub yet had appeared on the earth, no plant had sprung up yet for the Lord had not sent rain to the earth and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man. Mm. From the dust of the ground, he breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord had planted the garden in the east in Eden and there he put a man he had formed. The Lord made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and some good for food. In the middle of the garden were a tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He then said a bunch of stuff, but then scooting down to verse 15, he said, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden even to work and to take care of it. Someone say, take care of it. Care of it. We're doing it. And the Lord commanded the man. Somebody said command. I mean, when we're getting the first command of the Bible, you think we should listen? Yep. Let's listen to the first command. 
You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Just wanna point out something right there. Who is he talking to? Where was Eve? We're not at that verse yet. Okay, then the Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'm gonna make a helper. Man, he even knew. I can't, I can't trust this dude to be alone. Michael, get over here. We gotta send you down to help him so I can make this woman. Now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called them, each living creature, that was its name. So what we call a thing matters. Note to the boys and to the men, we gotta, we gotta watch our mouth. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall in a deep sleep. Boom, rib came out, healed it up, and made a woman from the rib he had taken on the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of me. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and united his wife, and they become one flesh. Two become one. I'm gonna tell you something. I wish somebody would have told me what that really meant in context. It wasn't until years later when I met Pastor Yergin, felt like I needed to break a bunch of stuff off my life. No one ever told me about soul ties. I'm gonna tell you something, church, and definitely young people, if you're single, you need to know this. It says right here, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man, and this is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Back in the old days, Old Testament days, when two people were married, it was actually when they had sex. No one told me that. I know we got real quiet right there. (laughs) Everything in the Bible was around blood covenants. Well, guess what? When that happened, when a man and a woman came together, there was a blood covenant. That's when that blood covenant was between God and them. They didn't have somebody giving you permission, doing this, doing that, trying to get you pastored up and married up. It was literally when two became one was when they became sexual together and there was a blood covenant made. Let me just tell you, you look up every blood covenant, there's not that many. But you look at how powerful every one of them, the angel of death had to pass over that door because of a blood covenant. When Jesus died for you and me and took all our sins so we could be free, that was because of a blood covenant. Marriage is one of the most important things and no one ever told me. So I was doing stupid things because of immaturity and no fear of the Lord. You would have taught me on blood covenant, I may have thought twice about some of the dumb things I was doing as a high schooler and in college and just thought it was the cool thing to do. Date a girl, sleep with the girl, whatever. But once I realized, why aren't they preaching about that stuff? Oh, you know, we don't want to ruffle any feathers. Well, guess what? Teach them. If if I went up to the edge of the cliff and they're like, dude, I wouldn't jump. There's no water down there. I'm probably going to listen. Same sort of thing. If I'm going to start making all these soul ties with these women that I'm not gonna marry, but those, those soul ties are gonna be with me until I get them broken off. And thank God I had a pastor to teach me about it. Cause then I'm like, break them off. Break them off quick. 
Because it's amazing we can get into a relationship and why is it self-destructing? Why is it? Because we have soul ties with other people that are eking it away into this relationship that's messing this up. I didn't even preach this in the first service. So somebody hears for you to hear it. And if you got soul ties, guess what? I'll have my ministry team afterwards pray them off you because I want you to go into your next relationship blessed. I don't want you to go in with baggage, buckets, wheelbarrow, whatever you want the image to be. Break those soul ties off and go in with the creed spirit. When you are... In Christ Jesus, when you accept him, you are a new creation, but you want to break off the old and don't go back to it. I'm telling you, when I had that revelation, it's amazing how I felt this grip of lust leave my life. It was a spirit of lust, not a feeling. It was a spirit, but it was getting caught up because of old soul ties. But once I found freedom in that, I got freedom in everything. So we can deal with that Tuesday at men's prayer if we need to, but it's here and it's an important thing to discuss. So bottom line is this blueprint that I want to talk about, I want to preach about the secrets of the garden. Number one, secret of the garden. You ready for this? You guys ready? I know that got a little intense fast. Blood covenants to now secrets of the garden. Here we go. Don't know how that happened, but number one, the importance of obedience. This is the why. The story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden teaches the importance of obedience to God's commands. It shows that disobedience has consequence and that following God's will will lead to blessing. We need to hear this because men, we're the watchmen of our family. We are called to be kings, which means we're called to provide and protect. Women, you're called to be our helpmates. Man, we we need to be cheered on. I love it when Pastor Jerry one time said, listen, Just touch me and tell me I'm awesome. I'll do anything you want. (laughs) Now, the other book, The Five Love Languages, that was written for us men and our women. They're not one or two. They're all five plus three that no one knows about. (laughs) And I hope someone soon writes about those three because it's so discouraging to find a new one all the time. (sighs) It's like a guessing game. Which Which language do I need to speak right now? I know my wife. It's like quality time is the highest important one. All the other ones are all there and they're equally as important. So it's like so confusing. I'm so stretched right now. That's why when I wake up, I just say, Jesus, help me. And every time, this is my answer. Son, I'm trying to. Son, I'm trying. But here's what I want to tell you as men. We must stay spiritually awake and aware. Number one problem from Secrets of the Garden. Eve wasn't even around yet. God warned Adam. Not Eve, warned Adam about the tree. Don't go near that tree. You can eat of anything. I mean, no, there was lots of fruit, lots of trees, lots of amazingness in the Garden of Eden. But the one tree... Adam said, hey, just watch out for that one tree. And you know, listen, Eve came around, got a little whisper, but Adam stayed silent. He was either not aware or he just didn't want to lead his bride. And listen, he was living in bliss and don't act like Eve was off by herself. They were both naked and unashamed. That means translation, Eve wasn't very far away from Adam, okay? You're not gonna let the only beautiful naked woman run too far. 
I just want to help some of you. For all you theologians. Listen, Adam was right around somewhere. She's not too far. But the problem with Adam, he didn't man up and he stayed silent when he should have spoken up. He should have led his bride. He said, no, no, don't touch that tree. Boom. Even if she pulled that thing, slapped it out of her hand, he didn't lead her well. And I'm gonna tell you that it's still happening today. We have to lead our marriage well, our wife well, our kids well. You know, there's always gonna be these things that come up, but how are we leading as men? I'm gonna give you some tools how we could lead better, that's for sure. Because there are people out there with the fruit that I want. We gotta stop taking advice from people that don't have the right fruit. We're grabbing from the wrong trees of the world trying to take advice and we wonder why the church and the world have the exact same divorce rate, which is ridiculous. It's gotta be talked about. Number two, guarding and keeping takes work. Somebody say work. <sighs> After being expelled from the Garden of Eden, see, he even said you're gonna work the land when the garden was perfect. But see, after they sinned, Eve ate from that tree, Adam followed, they were expelled from the perfect garden, and then the land was cursed. So now, how many know it's gonna take more work? Thanks a lot. We'll be having a conversation with Adam and Eve when I get to heaven. I'm gonna be like Dr. Phil up in their business, just asking them, so let's just talk about it. Let's work it out. Uh, but listen, now they're given the task of tilling the land and caring for it and emphasizing the value of hard work and diligence. No matter what, marriage is epic, but it's gonna be hard work and diligence and we are called to do it. The land's cursed, we gotta get to work. So if you don't like work, I'll have a special meeting for you. Mostly you're gonna meet a lot of our Navy SEALs, Green Berets, and some of our other highly level David Goggins style, but Christian, and they're gonna help you figure that out. We are called to cultivate relationships. We're called to create an environment for things to grow. How many know that? How many are ready to get things growing in the right ways? Okay, when you see weeds, we, they gotta be taken care of. I'm gonna tell you, after 18 years of marriage, that is the number one thing. At first, I was like, oh, I'm sure they'll go away on their own. How many know weeds don't go away on their own? You gotta get in, uproot them. You gotta pluck them. The Bible talks about, you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. The weeds growing up around the wheat. You gotta separate them. Otherwise, they're gonna ruin your harvest. It's the same thing. Things cannot be ignored. Each person must be taking self responsibility. I'm tired of people reading all these leadership books. Read self-leadership, not how to be a better leader. You know how you know if you're a good leader? Just ask your wife. We got to guard their heart. We got to guard our heart, heart. We have to expose the lies of the enemy who's always looking to create division in our marriage, in our family, which brings disunity. Where there is unity, God's gonna command a blessing. So how bad do you need to fight for unity? If you're gonna fight anything, both of you look at the devil, tell him to back off your family, get together in unity so you can be blessed. Don't worry, I'm gonna give you some points how to do that. Number three is the reality. I call it the reality. How do you wanna live a virtuous life? We are called to take dominion. 
We're called to multiply, take dominion, own your land, be a landlord, do these things. But the reality of living a virtuous life, this is it. The story of the fall of Adam and Eve, it highlights the reality of sin and the impact it can have on our life. It serves as a reminder that we're all susceptible to temptation. And we gotta resist sin on the daily, maybe the hourly, whatever it is, in order to live a virtuous life. God gave us all this and we're called to steward it well, not control it. I gotta say it because growing strong marriages and kids means we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna have failures. And my question to you is how much grace can we extend to one another? You know what? They say what happens is when we have fear in our heart, we start controlling things. Anger is a byproduct of fear undealt with. Another byproduct of fear undealt with is control. So we're trying to control our marriages, trying to control our spouse, trying to control our kids, telling them what to do. Well, you're not giving them room to grow up and stand on their own so they can't make mistakes and they can't fail. And if they did, it's amazing. Can we allow grace for our own spouse? to be able to go for their dreams, to be able to do some stuff and not be controlled and shut down, made felt small. It takes work to trust one another and the devil works overtime to jack up that trust in a relationship. Some of the things that I wanna give us that we can do, just four quick things, and then I wanna give us some reality checks, if you will, because I think it's important that uh, we figure out how to strategize. Oh, here's my page right here. You ready? Love one another deeply. Four of them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna back them up. Forgive one another. Communicate effectively and serve one another. If I give you four pillars to help your marriage, it's that. But love one another, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 7. Actually, if I see this in your house, I'm gonna pray for you because you're asking for a beating. I'm gonna read it to you. It tells us love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast does not dishonor others, is not self-seeking, and does not keep a record of wrong. I mean, do you know what it's like to live up to that? I mean, when I walk into the kitchen, I see that, I'm like, I need to put that in the garage. I'm just, I mean, that is a constant reminder for my wife. I'll come down and I'm like, hey, babe, she just points to it. I'm not ready for that. I mean, that's mastery. That verse is on the top of my goal setting every year. I start strong in January 1st. By the third, she's back to pointing. But I love the verse. It's just something that I'm striving for. I'm achieving. I want to be better at that whole verse, but it's such a bar. If you guys are living that bar and wives, you can attest, raise that hand. I will take you out to lunch. I'm going to hire you to consult me. Because I am trying my darndest, but I love that verse and I hate it at the same time. Anybody else feel that way? Just me. I'm the only honest person in here. And some of you men are too afraid to raise your hand. That's smart. That's wisdom. Number two, forgive one another. In Ephesians 4, 32, it says, we're instructed to forgive one another just as God has forgiven us. Let us extend grace and forgiveness to those in relationships, recognizing we too are in need of forgiveness. If we can have a better forgettery, I mean forgiveness rate, and a forgettery. How fast can we forgive one another? I've learned the faster I can learn how to forgive, the better my day is gonna go. What happens is we can start to callous our heart. Valentine's Day isn't very special to a lot of people because it brings up so much hurt. 
or disappointment. Oh, you're just going to give me some, you know, affection on one day? Brings up a lot of stuff for people. They have the list of the top days or the top, you know, Labor Day, Memorial Day, 4th of July, Thanksgiving. Valentine's was all the way at the bottom. So it obviously stirs some stuff for some people. But it's amazing. Forgiveness in the book of Colossians, it says it. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is such an important part of this relationship and it is especially important in marriage. Holding on to anger, resentment, and bitterness can damage our relationship. It can hurt our heart, harden our heart, and we are slow to forgive once that starts to happen. What I found out was men is what we do is we bury ourselves into our work. We become, whenever someone says, ah, he's just a workaholic. No, that means his heart's broken somewhere. And if I can get men to be real and get to emerge, we can get that heart pumping back again. I can get God to heal up some of that scar tissue. We can let, speak life back into it and you can go back because you know what? The relationship will never get better while your heart is still broken, while your heart is still hardened, while you have scar tissue on your heart. We have to stay in a place of vulnerable. And here's the thing, guys. God created you to handle it. I've watched it. God can grade. You can take a hit. You just need to get better people around you to speak life into you. Our friendships, our relationships, our circles matter. I mean, I was always intentional with who's around me in business. But when I started taking that same business, you're only going to be as successful as the five people around you, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, no problem. Get rid of that loser. See you later. Sorry, Uncle Steve, blah, blah, blah. But you know what I started? Yeah. Did I say his name? Sorry, Uncle Steve. I love you. I love you. Mom, I know you're watching. That's your brother. I apologize. And I want to let you know, I hope you forgive me and we'll work this forgiveness thing out. Do you see how that works? That was actually just part of the transparency of showing you how to ask for forgiveness. We're good, Mom, right? Check my phone. Check my phone. Uh, But what I want to tell you is that I stopped applying just to business, but relationships. I want the most epic relationships. We just went with three other couples to Vegas one night. 24 hours, and I needed us just to let go of care of the world. Kids looked after, and I had to get away and just date my wife. We went to Luke Bryan, went out to the most epic dinner as possible. We woke up, fast forward, lots of other amazing things, had lunch together, had the best 24 hours. My head, I, listen, I took every thought captive. That's how you do it. You see that? Nope, can't say that. It almost slipped out. Every thought captive, God renew my mind, we're good. That's what you all need to do, judging me again. But then what happened was it was just that refresh. We landed last night. We need that. Who do you get away with? Who do you reset with? Who do you want to do life and an adventure with? We can't just be working, grinding out, working, grinding out, working, grinding out. It's going to create resentment in the hearts of your spouse or you. Number three is communicate effectively. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let us seek to communicate in a way that builds up and encourages those in our relationships. Be slow to anger and quick to listen. How many know that's my goal? (laughs) Quick to listen. I'm quick to talk. I'm learning to be quick to listen. You know, one of our first trips to go see Dr. Brian, who will be here next Sunday preaching. Uh, and he's been my counselor for years. And I'm like, man, I hire coaches and business and everything. And on my core values, if it says marriage and my wife are my, one of my most important things, guess what? Why am I not investing into it? This paradigm of psychologists is, oh, it's when you're broken. No, it's not. Yeah. 
It's so I don't get broken. So I, we, we have them on the books for four times a year. And when we go, hopefully, hopefully, Lord help me. It's one session. And he looks at us and he goes, you guys are amazing. You want to hug it out? I'm like, baby, let's hug it out. See, it's not that big a deal. He said, fighting makes our marriage work. It's amazing. Um, and he did say that, by the way. But, you know, one of my first times visiting, you know why we had to go see him? Because I said something stupid. You know what I said? Does anybody want to know what I said? Only some of you. I don't need to tell you. No, it's good. I can keep going. No, she was like, why do you like to push my buttons all the time? Well, if you didn't stick them out so far, I wouldn't have to. I thought for sure that would help her see how big the buttons were. But how many know that was dumb? No one's there to coach me. I didn't have the right relationships. And men, I'm trying to help you. Don't push your wife's buttons. Sometimes it's a test. It's a test. I still fall for that. I thought it was a joke. She was going off the other day, and I went right in and pushed it. I'm like, dang it, why did I do that? I got to go put on those jeans again. I hope they fit. We got to communicate. In Ephesians, it says, therefore, each of you must put on off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor and members of the body. We, our communication is the aspect. If my wife hurts my feelings, guess what I have to tell her? And this is so hard for men to do. Hey, that really hurt my feelings. Instead, we go tough guy all the time so she doesn't know. She could just keep driving that bus and then run me over again. My wife is the greatest bus driver I know, but she doesn't know that unless I tell her. Hey, when we went to dinner last night and you made that comment, I just wanna let you know it hurt my feelings. It's very vulnerable and I hate doing it, but guess what? It helps our marriage. And she goes, well, I didn't mean to. You didn't? What'd you wanna say? And then she, she says it, and I know deep down she doesn't want to say it, but she does. And I just say, prove it. <laughs> Number four, serve one another, Philippians 2, 3 to 4. It tells us, do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, but in humility, consider each other's better than yourselves. A selfless attitude of serving one another, putting the needs and interests of one another in front of each other. But let me tell you something. You can help reinforce a strong and healthy marriage when you do this. If both partners are focused on serving one another, how many know life's gonna get more blissful? Yeah. By guarding and tending our relationships with love, forgiveness, effective communication, and service, we cultivate healthy, flourishing relationships. Just as Adam was called to tend and keep the Garden of Eve. Last couple things, how do we do that? How do we do it? Does anyone know how to do it? I wanna end with this. We gotta de develop a different mindset. Do you know that we have 60,000 thoughts a day on average and 93% of them were the same thoughts you had yesterday? That means 7% of your thinking is new. And let me, let me ask you this. How many of those 7% new thoughts are actually edifying your spouse, to your relationships, to your life, to live a virtuous life? How many of those 7% are going up? Well, we need to reprogram by taking every thought captive, by renewing our mind, by getting the word of God on the inside of us. Because when you don't know what to say, he already did say it. And I'm telling you something. How do we do this? We have to cultivate an attitude of learning and growth and embracing challenging and viewing failures as opportunity for growth. Every 
stumbling block in our fights. She calls it motivational speaking when she talks to me that way. But I'm gonna let all those stepping stones, I mean, those stumbling blocks become stepping stones for a better tomorrow. If we are not taking and debriefing our arguments, our fights or whatever, then, then how do we learn from them? If you keep tripping up and falling down and hitting your knee and you like that, we got other problems. But every time you stumble, get up and process, what were we even arguing about? What was that about? We have to develop this new mindset. We gotta pray for one another. She knows when I'm stressed, she knows me better than anybody. So she can complain about my stress, complain about my attitude, or she can pray for me. How many know that my wife's prayers are gonna help me the most? I don't need her to complain about my attitude or tell me I'm stressed. I already know I'm stressed. I mean, last night, she's like, are you sure you don't wanna stay and go to Bruno Mars? Like, babe, I'm preaching tomorrow. A little stressed about it. She could have said, well, I wanna go to Bruno Mars. But instead she says, I get it, I get it, I get it. She can pray for me. That temptation of Bruno was close, but thank goodness for a praying wife. He's got nothing on coming to church and preaching up a word. But I'm gonna tell you, listen to this. It takes hard work and dedication. The Bible explains that when they were kicked out, they were tilling a cursed land, but they were still fruitful. I wanna tell you, how do we prioritize our time? See, my wife and I, I have all these systems and structures in my business. Why wouldn't I do it for the business of my marriage? So I have this, it's on my phone, but this is it. I teach it like once a quarter, we go through it. What were our highlights of the last quarter? What were our wins? What were our learning experiences? How was our overnight date success? What are areas of improvement? How did we go on a scale of one to 10? That's what we do every quarter. And then we dream. We have our dream. How do we talk about it? Where are we going this calendar? Look at the calendar. What do we gotta do for business and date nights? And where are we gonna go on a venture with the kids? We plan our life instead of react to it because the devil wants to put little fires, 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 send little foxes in, little foxes in, get us distracted, gets us off track. But guess what? We gotta kick those little foxes out, take authority and plan our life, plan our life. We have a coffee break agenda. Let me tell you, this coffee break agenda, my wife and I, we get together every week for coffee. They're not always fun. When I sit there and ask her like, okay, uh, three compliments about each other. <laughs> I know she's digging for three. Sometimes it causes frustration, but you gotta get through it. And as you work through it, you become a better communicator with your spouse. You know, whenever Amazon wishes she loves, I don't know why she changed it to Nordstrom, but, but you know, some of these, how am I doing on a scale of one to 10? How many know that's painful? I'm like, babe, you've been giving me a six for four weeks. But the next question is, how do I go from a six to a 10? How many knows I can either listen to her and apply it, or I could just keep doing dumb things? Having those conversations are so important to help your marriage thrive, not just survive. Anybody with me? Some of you. This is how you set goals. And the last one is, you gotta put different habits in your life. I call them my positive habits. You know, number one is surround yourself with positive influences, couples that have the fruit that you want. We have a Pastor Jürgen and Leanne in our life. 
We have other people in our life that have relationships. We were just with a couple last night. It was 23 years married. They're like little kids. I was like, dear Lord. It's actually your dad. He's funny. I love your dad. But the, this couple was amazing. Just having so much fun and doing life. And he just has a heart to serve his wife. And they're living 23 years, still married, still like kids, still having fun, still singing Luke Bryan songs at the phone and going crazy and kissing. I'm like, stop it, stop it. Because then my wife's like, look at them, they're kissing. I'm like, then kiss me. That's why I brought them on the trip, duh. Find a connect group. Some of us gotta get rid of anybody that's talking about marriage in a negative light. You have to speak up and call it out and then don't get around it again. If you're, uh, you know, going on a your bachelor party and it's like a bow and chain last night, bro. I don't go to those bachelor parties. I don't even want that mentality around me. Marriage is the greatest thing God has created. It was his first thing. And you better set the record straight for all those doom gloomers that have a bitter, calloused heart. Well, not when you find the right one, bro, and then you learn how to, ro- you know, till the land. Make it fruitful. You can do it, but don't tolerate. What you tolerate, you'll get more of. Zero stuff, zero stuff. Man, I'm gonna tell you how you start it. Let's go to Emerge together. Read the book, Wild at Heart. Find your inner wild again. Too many men I know are castrated. They've lost their way. They don't even know anymore. They don't think for themselves. You gotta get back out to emerge and find that valor on the inside of you, that warrior on the inside of you. What God has forged you to lead your family, to lead your kids, to lead your spouse, to lead again. You gotta come back and get healed and know that God put it in you. You can do those things. Just get around the right environment, the right soil. You got the right seed. You can do it. If you guys could all stand to your feet, listen. Number one is I want, if you're married, just grab the hand of your spouse, even if she doesn't like it. I'm telling you, sometimes hugging my wife when she's mad at me is the most dangerous thing you could do. I look around the kitchen to make sure all the knives and the forks and the pens are in the right drawers. And then I go in for my hug just in case. What? I'm not gonna take a chance. She could get that wild. Luckily, she's a praying bride. But man, I know the greatest thing is I go in and I say, baby, let's pray. And I hold my wife and I pray for us. And I feel the devil get kicked out of the middle causing disunity in a second. It's the hardest thing for me to do, but the most powerful thing I can do. And wives, same for you, praying for your husbands. Maybe you don't know the burden it is to be a protector, to be a provider, the things that keep our mind up, the adrenal gland fatigue. Listen, I get it. We need praying wives that pray for us. Teach our kids always to pray for mom and dad. Nothing more powerful than teaching your kids to pray for mom and dad. There's nothing more powerful to see my kids take my wife out on a date Thursday night, whether we're smiling or we're mad at each other, we still go and we work it out because it's that important for my kids' legacy to see mom and dad date each other, to leave and go on an adventure just for one night. Man, with all the sports and the ships passing in the night, by the time those kids are gone, now you have abandonment syndromes going on because you've been hanging out with your kids for 18 years. And by the time you get back, you don't even recognize each other. 
I'm done with that excuse why people split up. Done with that. There's an all-out war on marriage and the family of the nuclear family in America, in California. And if we don't preach about it in church, I know it's not popular preaching, but it's what we need. It's what we need. And that's why we have connect groups so we can get the right tribes together, the right people that find out, that stand on the word of God, that apply it to our life, that pray for one another, that know the importance of what marriage means to each other. And we're not perfect, man. We're all gonna fall short, but we gotta help each other. Can't be a bunch of fake Christians telling everybody our marriage is great. And then all of a sudden now the blue, what had just happened to them? Fight for it. It's a war, have no shame in the game. Go to your connect group and say, hey man, we're just barely hanging on. Pride and ego ruin marriages more than the devil does. But I wanna speak this verse out over you in the, in, in the context of marriage and family. But Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Your marriage can be something supernatural if we allow that power that works in us. If you have Jesus in you, then guess what? You got power. How do we tap into that power? Well, we gotta start thinking it's now to him who is able. If you're alive with the heartbeat, you're able. It says, is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask. You might not even know what to ask to heal your marriage. You don't even need to know if you can think your marriage could get better, but guess what? God does. Above all we ask or think, you just have to submit yourself to the Lord and say, God, I, I need you in the middle of my marriage at all times. You might have a level 10 marriage right now. God bless you. But I don't care what level you're at, how many know that the only ceiling we put over our marriage and over our life is the ceiling we've created. And I need God to come in and bust some ceilings today. That God is, love, is for you. He loves you. He wants to see you prosper in all areas without sacrificing your marriage, without sacrificing your kids, without sacrificing your future. Let's do it God's way, not our ways. His ways are higher than ours. Hold that hand. And if you're single or you're just by yourself today, I want you to put your hand over your heart because I need us to learn how to guard our heart today. And I'm gonna pray for us. And afterwards, I'm gonna ask my ministry team to come forward. If you feel like you need prayer in your marriage, this is why this is an altar so your life can be altered. You wanna stay the same? Walk out the door, don't get prayer. The devil wants us to stay the same. But if you just need to say, I'm done with that, you break that chain off and you walk down and let my team pray for you and let the Holy Spirit minister you. God's got the answer, not my team, but he's gonna use my team to pray for you and to release heaven's breakthrough over your life. And as I pray, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I feel like it's a big boy Sunday today or a big girl Sunday, and guess what? You can't do any of this without Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He loves you. He's God's son. God sent his son, Jesus, to go on a rescue mission for you and I. Being a good person doesn't give you into heaven. If you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, if you don't know for sure that your name's written in the book of life, there is a real book. And when you receive Jesus, accept Jesus in your heart, it's a free gift. You can't earn your way to heaven. It's just saying, Jesus, I need you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I'm asking you in my heart today, Forgive me, I know you died for my sins. Thank you for taking every sin for me. In that moment, it's a heart transfer. You're a new creation. And when you ask Jesus into your life and you're a new creation, your name is written for eternity in the book of life. 
And I wanna tell you, if you're gonna make that commitment today, that I have people all around somewhere, maybe, and they're gonna have a Bible and a book called Following Jesus right here. They wanna pray for you. And even if you can't find people with that Bible and that book, see that response lounge? I wish it was like neon light. I, I need fireworks put on that. I just explosions right now, pretend. Pretend explosions, response lounge. You find your way there and we'll equip you and pray for you. The number one decision is getting Jesus in your life. He'll work the rest of it out. The minute you're saved, the church's job is to disciple you. That's where we train up men and women in the art of warfare on how to pray for your family and your home. But I'm gonna pray right now. Put your hand over that heart or hold that hand and squeeze it. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you created marriage and you called it very good. God, I thank you, Lord, that we didn't get a playbook when we walked down that aisle, but I know it's something not to play about. And so God, I ask for the greatest strategies in heaven to come to this, this campus today. God, I thank you for the greatest hand of favor to be over each and every one of us. If we need to heal our heart from past mistakes or just past relationships that have wounded our heart, God, I ask, Lord, that you heal them right now. God, I thank you that all resentment and bitterness and anger and fear is taken when you died on the cross. So we give it to you now. We release that right now. God, I thank you for supernatural healing over our marriages, over our hearts. God, even right now as the devil whispers, your spouse will never change. That's a lie from the devil. I cancel that with the blood of Christ. And we send that thought to the pit of hell right now in the name of Jesus. I break every stronghold over marriages. God, I thank you, Lord, that we can step into a version of ourselves we never thought possible that you'll give us more grace for our spouse than we've ever had, more love for our spouse that we will see differently. We remove the scales off our eyes. God, I thank you, Lord, that you created marriage to be precious. And Lord, raise up mighty men in this house that understand what it means to be a king, to be a provider and a protector, to guard your little girl that you sent us to guard and to protect. God, I thank you for those that need to forgive some people that have wounded them and hurt them. I wanna let you know that you can't go into a new thing until you let go of the old thing and God wants to heal you right now. Release that name who's ever hurt you. You just need to forgive them. I didn't say you need to go back to them. You need to accept what they did to you. You just have to forgive them so God can do something incredible and supernatural in your life. God, we thank you for all these things. And the church said, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.